Good day, fellas. Welcome back to Uncensored Advice for Men. My name is Josh. I'm your host of the show. Uh, you guys ask questions on the, on the website, uncensoredadviceformen.com, or sometimes on LinkedIn or other social channels. And you ask advice. You're asking questions about life, relationships, uh, belief systems. You know, uh, us guys are being faced with a lot of changes with the, the current economy and the things going on with the pandemic. So uh, this is a place where you could get uncensored advice from, from experts, authors, coaches, consultants. Um, but you might have questions about vasectomies. And uh, I just got my vasectomy yesterday. And uh, I wrote down before the vasectomy happened, I wrote down a bunch of questions. And then after the vasectomy, I have other questions. So I brought on a guy who's done over 45,000 vasectomies. And uh, we're going to have him on the show. Uh, gentlemen, let's welcome Dr. Doug Stein to the show. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, Dr. Doug, why don't you tell us a little bit about you know, who you are and how the heck did you choose to do vasectomies as a, uh, a life career? Well, I often say that I was encouraged to be a physician by my father who grew up in the depression and nobody had, nobody had jobs that seemed except to him except for the doctors. And he always admired, uh, oh, heroic figure doctors like Jonas Salk for curing polio. And he thought, oh, that would be wonderful if you could be a doctor. And he sounded like a pretty knowledgeable guy to me. So I said, okay. So I went to medical school, but with only that guidance, I really didn't have much I didn't know what I wanted to do when I got out of medical school. I thought I wanted to do something surgical. And almost all people who do things surgical start out in a surgical residency. I wound up in Florida because I had an uncle down here and we used to visit him and we thought Florida was paradise. So I said, why don't I just train in Florida? So I started a surgical residency down here. And after about 10 or 11 months, it didn't seem like I had gotten to know some of the urologists. They seemed like a happier lot than the general surgeons. So I found myself sort of side-slipping into urology. Finished that residency, practiced urology for 17 years, and um, from 83 until 2000. And then during that period of time was doing vasectomies as most urologists do. And I found that there were guys who were frustrated by the fact that um, it, before the Affordable Care Act, a higher percentage of men did not have health insurance especially young, healthy guys. Why would I have health insurance? 35, what's going to happen to me? You know, that invincible type thing. So they didn't have health insurance. And if you had no health insurance and you were of low income, you couldn't afford a vasectomy. Uh, some people were charging up to 2000. I was charging about 300. And um, even that, I had a guy sit across from me and he, and he, his wife had just given birth to his fourth. His third was, um, conceived when she was on birth control pills, her fourth when she was on, uh, when she had an IUD in place. And he said, this is ridiculous. I said, why didn't you come in sooner? He said, doc, you charged $250 for a vasectomy at the time. And I don't make $250 in a week. I said, wow, um, didn't you check with county health departments? And he said, no, I didn't. So I called the county health department. This is in 96 and spoke with a woman named Carol Rodriguez at the Hillsborough County Health Department. And she said, oh, sure, we do vasectomies. And I said, well, who does them? And she, I said, I know, I know him, he's very nice. And I said, how many did you do last year? And she said, oh, gosh, I think we did about three. I said, Hillsborough County has close to a million people and you did three? So she said, well, we don't get much call for it. Now, having had a vasectomy myself, I knew the benefits of it and I thought, 
wow, this is terrible that the government isn't helping people. But it turns out that there is a program called Title 10 and it is available. It's just that nobody knows about it. So I decided that I wanted to make vasectomy, you know, I call them the three A's, available, affordable, and acceptable. And so I became involved with one county health department and then word spread. And pretty soon I was involved with Polk and Pasco and Hernando. And, uh, you know, it just spread because the counties talked to each other and they said, why don't you hire this guy? Why don't you hire this guy Stein? And so that's how I got involved with the county health departments. And I was also involved with Planned Parenthoods. I was kind of a hard worker and wanted to do work on Saturday and there was a Planned Parenthood in Tampa. And so I went to the Planned Parenthood in Tampa on Saturday. And then that affiliate had some, had um, also other offices in Lakeland, Sarasota, Fort Myers. So pretty soon I was going to all these places and I could, and I, and I really couldn't be away every weekend doing vasectomies and still have a intact urology practice. You can't take out somebody's kidney and then leave town and expect your colleagues to cover you every weekend. So I couldn't pay them back. So pretty soon I just, I was getting so much, I felt like I was filling a niche that hadn't been filled. There were lots of people who do, were doing a great job on prostate cancer and kidney stones and erectile dysfunction and leaky ladies and guys who couldn't pee well. But there weren't, wasn't anybody who was really focused on making vasectomy available, affordable, and accessible, especially to low income, especially to uh, the low income groups. So that's how it got involved. So I stopped seeing new general urology patients and then just continued to go further and further from Tampa by, you know, I'd go to Lakeland and somebody would come to me from Lakeland from Orlando or Ocala. And I would say, well, gosh, you came a long way. I said, boy, I wish you came out to Ocala, doc. And I said, well, who's your doctor? And they would give me a name. And I would say, would you mind if I called him? And maybe he's not in on Friday afternoons or maybe his office is free on Saturdays. So I would call that doctor and say, hey, how about if I give you 500 bucks for using your office for a half day or on Saturday and, and your office staff can unlock the office, as you saw yesterday, and then they lock it behind me. So there's no security risk. So that's how I started to expand beyond Tampa until I was doing vasectomies at about 21 locations throughout Florida. Wow. And that's kind of how it, ex how it expanded into that. It wasn't, in 1996, I couldn't have imagined where I would be in 2006 or 2016. It was more an evolution of, of uh, sort of this expanding process. And then in, um, oh, in, in 2016, I was really <clears throat> running around. I was getting a little older. Um, I, I had, the numbers were fairly high. And a guy who had been with me on vasectomy missions, international missions in the Philippines, Haiti, Kenya, and Cuba became available. And that was who you met yesterday, my associate, Dr. Gerrington. And um, I said, John, what are you doing? And he said, I'm just kind of between work right now. So why don't you come down, come down to Florida and join me? And 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 that was it. I don't even think we shook hands on it. We just he just said, okay, you start working, you'll get paid. And um, that's and it's been you know four years now, and it's worked out great. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's a long-winded answer to a short question. But sorry, it's it's hard to condense too much more than that.
No, I, I think that's, I think that's really interesting. And, and you guys, you know, I, I was having a conversation with, you know, Dr. Cunningham, why he was uh, giving me a vasectomy. So, Curington. 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 C-U-R-I-N-G-T-O-N. Got it. Curington. Curington. So I was having a conversation with him while I was, you know, laying on the, on the table getting, getting, getting snipped. Right. But, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of guys out there that are, you know, that have kids or maybe they don't want any more kids, or maybe they just don't want kids in general. And, you know, they're going through the, the, the current, um, processes on, on how to, uh, not have kids, right? You know, they'll, they'll wear a condom, they'll do the, the, the pull and pray method, you know, they'll, they'll hopefully their, their spouse, partner, or whatever has been taking their contraceptives or their IUD or whatever the case may be. But, uh, you know, what are the benefits of going vasectomy versus the, the condom, the pull and pray, you know, all the other ones that, that are out there? Well, it's, uh, many advantages. One, it's a far more effective form of contraception than any other form of contraception. The likelihood of a vasectomy failing, and this varies a little bit from technique to technique, but even with the technique with the highest failure rate, it's far better than the second best method of contraception. So we strive for a, for a failure rate that's lower than one in 2,000, there are two types of failures. There's an early failure, which means that you don't become sperm free. In other words, your, the tissue where your vasectomy was done reorganizes and reestablishes the channel during the healing process. So when you bring back that sample at three months, um, it has sperm in it and then it continues to have sperm in it. That's called an early failure. It doesn't result in an unwanted pregnancy if you've been doing your due diligence and using another form of contraception as advised until you're cleared. But you have to have another vasectomy. I don't think we've done a second vasectomy now in two or three years. So it's probably well under one in 2000 by the technique that we use. Um, uh, and, and then you have what's called a late failure. You're, you're, you have no sperm in your semen and then five, 10 years later, sperm redevelops in your semen, usually unbeknownst to you, and you get a girl pregnant. Again, if that has a likelihood of occurrence of one in, let's say, 2,000, that's one in 2,000 over your lifetime. So let's say your wife is 35. She's going to go into menopause when she's 50. Let's just say that she has 10 years. Well, one in 2,000 over 10 years is one in 20,000 per year. I mean, there isn't any other form of contraception that comes even close to that low failure rate. So one is the dependability. And number two is um, just the carefree nature of it. I mean, you just, you know, you just have sex when you want. You don't have to worry about covering up or pulling out or what time of the month it is or anything. You just, you don't even think about it anymore. Since my vasectomy, I, you know, contraception has never even entered my mind. Yeah. <laughs> and let's be honest, right? No guy out there really enjoys wearing a condom. It is not a, uh, a fun process, right? It, we do that because we're more afraid of the pain of another kid, right? I got three kids, right? So like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll put up with a condom, but it's not as enjoyable as, you know, bareback. Yeah, why would you? Um, if, as long as you're comfortable with the number of children that you've already had. Now, those complimentary things said about vasectomy 
Um, the downside about vasectomy is, is that vasectomy should not be considered a reversible procedure because reversal attempts are not always successful. They're pretty frequently successful, um, but a vasectomy should not be considered a reversible form of contraception. If it were, heck, we could do vasectomies on all the 17-year-olds and tell them to come on back when they're ready to be dads and, and put them back together again, and we'd have no unintended pregnancies. It would be, it would be fantastic. Um, unfortunately, it's, it's not, not quite set that way. So um, the, the downside, that's the one downside of vasectomy reversal. However, um, when viewed as the, let me put it this way, a vasectomy is often reversible. Another kid is never reversible, right? So, yeah. so you can reverse a vasectomy often, but you can't reverse an unintended pregnancy once it's, you know, once the birth has taken place, et cetera. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> think about that. Yeah. So uh, here are some, here are some of the, the things that I had going through my brain prior to getting a vasectomy. So after our third child, right, we had a, we had a whoopsie. Number three was uh, not, not planned, but, you know, very welcomed, right? But after the third one, my wife's like. The fourth um, one would have been welcome too. <laughs> I'm sure, and yeah. The fifth, and the sixth. Oh, God. You know, part of the reason for part of the reason you would ask how I how I got into this and probably for that, oh, 17 years from 83, I Life on Earth came out in 79 or 80, something like that. The David Attenborough series, um, Life on Earth, Living Planet, yeah. Living Planet 2, Blue Seas. And he's probably my hero. Uh, for these nature shows that are so beautifully filmed. And I think the message was always the same that, you know, we have a beautiful planet here, but we're kind of screwing it up because there's too many of us, you know, 7.8 billion is a lot of people and is quality of life getting better. Did you ever go up to somebody and say, Hey, you know, Florida has 21 million people. Don't you think it's going to be a lot better when we have 30 million people? Not many people are going to say that. Not many people are going to say, I'd rather walk a half a mile down the beach um, uh, to, in order to be able to find an empty spot to put my towel down rather than just a quarter of a mile down the beach to find an empty spot to put my towel down. Not many people are going to say, but, you know, I'd really rather make my reservation two years in advance to get a campsite at a state park rather than just one year in advance. You know, I, I don't think quality of life is going to be better when we have more than 21 million in Florida more than 330 million in the United States and more than 7.8 billion on the planet. It just, I mean, maybe for the people who are selling stuff, it'll be a bigger market, but I think quality of life is not going to improve. Certainly not for the other species that we share the planet with, you know, they're just, they're kind of doomed by us, many of them. Okay. All right. So this might be a, another conversation that we have about population, but you know, let, let, on, on, in terms of vasectomy, here are some questions that I had going in, and I know some of my other friends have that mm -hmm. are, are contemplating, you know, do I get a vasectomy? Do yeah. I don't? You know, like my wife sure. is really, really pushing me for this. Um, you know, here are some of the, the questions that I had, right? Before going in, is it going to hurt, right? Am I going to, is it going to damage me in other ways, right? Am I going to lose, you know, the ability to get erections or have pleasurable sex? Is it going to, you know, change the my, you know, my orgasms 
Um, and then other questions like, I'm, I'm nervous about going in because what does the, I'm nervous about the procedure happening. You know, like, is there going to be a bunch of people sitting there standing, staring at me in my most vulnerable state, right? I'm not, I'm not excited. I'm not, you know, standing erect. I'm not like at my greatest bit. I'm, I'm vulnerable. I'm soft. I'm, um, you know, like these are all the questions. Like what, what is the situation going to be like? So going through some of these these concerns that I had, and I know, you know, talking to other dudes that they have going in, you know, like maybe we could go through um, the, the pain thing, right? Is this going to hurt, right? Um, what do you do different that other places, you know, don't to address the, the pain? And, and how do you talk to guys about the pain prior to getting a vasectomy? Well, let's, let's mention two types of pain, psychological and physical. First of all, you don't have anywhere near as much practice as your wife does at exposing herself to strangers. Yeah. Your wife has had three kids. During the process of those three kids, she had all sorts of strangers changing shifts, coming into the room, examining her most private parts. And even outside of childbirth, she would go for regular pap smears. She probably had her first pelvic exam when she was 18, 19, something like that. So to her, Bearing her most personal area to a stranger is not such an alien type of thing. So even guys, I mean, guys will get tattoos where they're digging needles into you for hours. And, you know, do they complain about pain? Guys will go on football fields and get beat, the, you know, just beat up by other people. So I'm not sure that, that guys are there's a combination there of both modesty and the idea of pain, but pain because it's in a, in a very private part. So, you know, if you were operating on a guy's hand, he probably wouldn't care. And he probably wouldn't even mention pain. He just say, go ahead, do what you got to do. But this is a private area that's not exposed. So I don't think I can disassociate modesty from pain. Um, and it's a pretty sensitive area because all the guys who are not sensitive are extinct, right? It's supposed to be sensitive. Yeah. So, and, and so then you have um, the physical pain and, and what we do is say, well, a guy says, well, can I get some pain pills or can I be put to sleep? And you say, what, what do you mean? Like, this is just a vasectomy. So right away, we would start to paint the picture that this is not something for which you need any medicine. You don't need a Valium. You don't need anything else because it's not painful. So we try to diffuse that idea long before they come to the office. Still, they, they have that process though. And then I think that one of the best things you can do is be expeditious, move it along. And we administer um, anesthesia with a spray applicator. So you feel a popping sensation. You can describe that better than I can because it's fresh on your mind. <laughs> and you can tell the audience what you felt, but we don't like the idea of needles not because tiny 30 gauge needles hurt. That's what the diabetics use to inject themselves every day with insulin. In fact, the guys who are on testosterone are popping, mm, I think they're probably using 22 gauge needles. These are big needles that they're popping into their thighs or popping into their butts or popping into their shoulders to administer testosterone. So if it comes for the right reason, guys aren't really afraid of needles. And again, the 30 gauge needles that some doctors use are so tiny that you barely feel them when they penetrate the skin. But still, the whole concept of needles, you down, especially down there, 
let's use a spray applicator. So that's what we use. And you could tell the audience what, what you felt with the spray applicator, but we would never go back to needles being as fond as we are of the spray applicator. Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll talk to this. I just got my vasectomy yesterday uh, by your partner. Uh, I think he's done over, I think, 11,000 or 12,000, a lot. Yeah. A lot. So um, going in and I'm sitting in the chair prior to, to get in a vasectomy, I started getting nervous, right? I'm getting nervous. I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? This is permanent. You know, all the thoughts that are racing through, <laughs> is this going to hurt? Like, did, you know, like all, all the vulnerable things, right? So we come in and super nice guy, right? So I'm, I'm laying there and they, you know, he gets me all situated and does all his sterile techniques and he's, you know, having friendly conversation. And he said, okay, I'm going to apply this uh, anal, anal Jesus, he's going to spray this spray on me. That's not going to make me feel. And it, it felt like, uh, it felt like a little pop of a rubber band. So now, now guys, mind you listening in, this wasn't a spa treatment, right? I'm not getting a foot massage in the back. You know, there was a little discomfort, but it didn't, it wasn't painful. I didn't shout out and scream. He just said, okay, it's going to happen. It happened. And it was, it was just done. And then I felt I felt pressure while he was doing it, right? Like I could feel someone down there, you know, wiggling my coconuts around, but I, I couldn't really feel all the things that he was doing. So it was, it was uncomfortable, but it wasn't painful. It wasn't, um, I was more scared than I was dis- discomfort, right? So that's, that was the process. And then I said, you know, you know, hey man, you know, like where are we at on this? Cause he's talking to me. He's just, you know, having friendly conversation and cracking, you know, some really, funny jokes and then after the end he's like okay cool i'm done you know stand up put this here then do this and you know have a nice day right um so the the pain it really wasn't painful it was discomfort there's a little pop but then after that i just felt you feel pressure and you feel movement um so compare it to a dentist or you know a rugby game or a football game or uh anything else that guys put themselves through and yeah um one of the uh so for, for that, from a guy who just went through it yesterday, that's what I experienced. Now, here are some questions that I have after, right? Okay, so I read, I read all the, 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 you know, the things of here's what to do after. You know, I heard all horror stories of guys saying, I'm sitting on an ice pack for you know, a week. I, I didn't. I, you know, I, I sat in a recliner, watched some Netflix with the kids and such. But you know, I had to carry a baby. I had to do some minor things afterwards. You know, like, uh, and, and this is the morning after. I'm not sore anymore. I have to wear this uncomfortable scrotal sack or whatever. It looks like a jock strap. So it's mm-hmm. uncomfortable, but it's, I have no pain. Um, in terms of like, what's going to happen afterwards, right? So here are the thoughts that went through my head. Like, is this going to have any changes in erections? Is this going to have any change in, you know, in, 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 in size or, or pleasure or, you know, just walking around? Like, what's going to happen now into the future? That's a question that comes up frequently, not only in our society, but in societies everywhere. Guys don't want to take risk their erections. So in 2006, and again in 2010, we sent out questionnaires to 400 guys who had had vasectomies between six months ago and 12 months ago. Long enough so that they would have gotten back into their routines, but recently enough, pardon me, so that it would still be somewhat fresh on their minds. And we said, since your vasectomy, we asked a series of questions and the series of, and, and there were five answers that you could give, much less, a little less, no change, a little more, much more. 
And one of those was sex drive or libido. Another one was ability to get erections. Another one was quality of erections. Another one was sensation of orgasm. Um, and there was an, uh, another, oh, oh, the, oh the, the perceived volume of the semen. And you know, and all of those, that data is right on our website. In fact, it's on the vasectomy page, which guys are encouraged to read over before they have their vasectomies. So the actual questionnaires are right there. The guys answered anonymously. We got about 100 returns out of, four, out of questionnaires of 400, which is pretty typical of a mailed out questionnaire, but we provided stamped envelopes. All the guys had to do was check off these five things and then they could add comments on the bottom if we wanted to. And the most common response by far, about 85 to 90% was no change. No change in libido, no change in sensation of orgasm, no change in erectile quality, et cetera. A few guys said that their libido or sex drive or sensation of orgasm was a little bit less. And a few guys said that it was more, slightly more or much more. The number of people who had an improvement actually outnumbered the number of people who sensed a deterioration in their uh, sexual responses. So we say that there's no real physiological reason why there should be a change in any of your sexual responses after a vasectomy. If there is a change, it's more likely to be positive than negative. And maybe that's psychological. Maybe you just have a better sex drive and enjoy your orgasms more when you don't have to worry about unplanned pregnancy so that it could be a little bit of psychological overview. But we say, we can't explain. Uh, oh, and we said, overall, are you happy that you had your vasectomy? And, <laughs> and for the first one, there was 119 responses. And on the second um, survey four years later, there was about the same 121 responses. And only one guy had regretted that he had gotten his vasectomy out of all of those now close to 200 guys. And it had nothing to do with his sexual responses. Um, it, was, it was almost a misunderstanding. And then when we called him because he did give his name, he said, no, no, I didn't really mean that. I'm, I'm happy that I got my vasectomy. So even the guys who sensed a diminution in their libido or their sense or their strength of orgasm were happy that they had vasectomy. So uh, that's just raw data. You know, you could, I don't know how to explain it necessarily, but yeah. that data we present to everybody and say, if you don't want to take even the slightest chance that you're going to experience a change in your sexual function, you shouldn't have a vasectomy. Yeah. My wife joked around, we were sitting on the porch yesterday, you know, I just got home from my vasectomy or I think it was after I, I took a nap or something. And, uh, we were sitting on the porch and all our kids are running around. She goes, you know what, babe, I think I want one more kid. She was joking around me. And I was like, you, <laughs> I, I, I think I cussed that. <laughs> Cause I just got my vasectomy that morning. She's like, no, I'm kidding. She goes, I am so thankful that you had this done. Now we could just be thankful for the kids that we have and we can just now enjoy each other and no more kids, right? So with, with joking, right? You, you, I'm sure you have a few go-to jokes. Could you give us maybe one or two? We've got about a few minutes left before this interview. No, I, I just sort of ad-lib the whole thing. You know, yeah. it, it just is, um, and, and it's not canned jokes because I don't like saying things that people are expected to laugh to. 
So a guy might come in and, and um, he, you know, he'll bring a girl in and his wife's name is, is Kelly or something. And Kelly might come in and I'll say, uh, pleased to meet you. This is Kelly. I hope, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, just really silly stuff like that, or, you know, two kids is enough, or three kids is enough, or, you know, you just left them home alone and hope for the best. And so it's really not canned jokes. It's yeah. where you would expect a guy, it's just sort of a, a lighthearted approach to the whole thing. I, 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 you know, I've never really been a canned joke sort of guy either. I screw them up or don't tell them quite right or something like that. And remember when, when you're, if it's a if it's a joke that has a plot to it that takes a little while, the guy's probably not hearing it anyway. He's so very focused on what you're doing that a lot of your talk just goes right up, right by the wayside. The better thing I find is to get the guy talking, and yeah. I, and and I don't do that as a way of uh, of anesthesia. I actually get the guy talking because I might get a little bored. So, uh, you know, I've done 45,000 vasectomies. So I like learning about my patients and what makes them tick. And, you know, I've done police officers and, and, uh, and, and, and accountants and salespeople and, and personalities like yours. And so I really like knowing I had a long conversation the other day of a guy with water softeners because we're having a little bit of a water softener problem. And he taught me more than I wanted to know about <laughs> what I ever wanted to know. And so I benefited from it too. And, and you know, his, the case was done really before he knew it. And we both benefited from it. Yeah. You should have paid him for it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so also, I remember I had one guy earlier this week and he was part of the canine unit. And um, he taught me all about, you know, why a German Shepherd might be better than a Belgian Malinois for police work and, you know, how well dogs smell and what it is about a German Shepherd. So you really, you know, it's really a, a, a really fun job for me to have because I, I guess I consider myself kind of curious. So I can be fairly engaging about um, uh, asking a guy about his, about his occupation. Uh, that's awesome. So Dr. Stein, as we as we wrap up here, <laughs> speaking of wrap up, I won't need to do that in the future, but uh, <laughs> hey, that was my good joke, right? I, I just came up with it. Where can guys go to find out more about you and learn more about vasectomies and maybe get scheduled? Well, our, um, our website is vasweb.com, as in vasectomy website, vas, V-A-S-W-E-B.com. And that probably has more information about vasectomy than you ever wanted to know. Um, and we, uh, my associate and I go to about 13 or 14 locations throughout peninsular Florida. So you're never really more than 90 minutes from, if you live in the peninsula of Florida, we don't get up into the panhandle, it's just too far. But you're never more than about 90 minutes from a location where we provide vasectomy services. Awesome. So guys listening in, if you have additional questions that you'd like to ask me about the you know, procedure and such like that, head on over to Uncensored Advice for Men, go to the top, click contact. You could ask me guys, you know, about, you know, what's going on. And uh, I'm not going to share any pictures with you, but, uh, you know, I'll at least give you guys some advice or, or share my experience. If you're interested in learning more about, you know, getting a vasectomy or like to know more uh, about the procedures that Dr. Stein uh, does over here, head on over to vastweb.com. 
And, uh, you know, as always, reach out to our guests and say, hey, thank you for sharing your information. Thank you for, you know, giving us guys advice. And uh, fellas listening into this podcast interview, I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope this was helpful. Hope it provides some light in, uh, in, in the darkness. And uh, we will talk with you all on the next episode. All right, guys, we'll see you.